ready to pay your dues. Oh God, come back home. This crazy world is paralyzed and abusers. Need you now before we're too far gone. I hope one day they finally see the truth. All right, how about now? Are we good now? Still nothing? We are good. You can hear me? Good? All right. So uh, I was just saying, actually, what you guys didn't hear is I feel like a, a bit of a rookie, um, and I have to start again. Hello, freedom fighters and patriots from across the country around the world, and from little old Saskatchewan. How are we all doing? Good turnout so far tonight. Keep sharing it, guys. Bust through this shadow banning on all of these Facebook platforms. Uh, tonight, we're streaming to my regular Facebook main profile. We're uh, streaming to Mark Friesen PPC. We're streaming to um, Canada First. We're streaming to Mark Friesen Saskatoon Grasswood. And we're streaming to the Forum for Canadian Sovereignty. Also, we're streaming to YouTube. And we're streaming to DLive and Rumble. I will upload it to Odyssey after we're done. Anyways, good to see you all. Uh, like I said, I feel like a bit of a rookie. It's been months since I did a live stream. Um, because I, I really I, I couldn't talk without coughing. Um even before I went on the tour with Laura Lynn to Ontario, uh, I had a nagging cough. And then going on the trip, I managed to catch a bug and 
got really sick. I actually had to terminate the tour, my part of it, uh, and, and get my butt back home. Problem is, is I have 60 to 70% lung capacity left after my little experience last year. And when I get sick, if something, you know, is respiratory involved, uh, I have significant problems breathing and getting oxygen. So it was probably best that I cut that tour short. And I apologize to everyone uh, in Ottawa that I didn't wasn't able to show up. And on the East Coast, I really, really wanted to be on that tour to the East Coast. But, you know, it is what it is. I had to look after myself. So um, and I, I ended up not getting pneumonia. So that's a good thing. Uh, I'm not sure how my lungs would respond to that. Um, so, you know, whatever. I think the best decision was to come home. And then I I had this nagging cough for like, I don't know, however long it's been since I've been home. And uh, hey, Nancy, good, good to see you. Uh, yeah, it just wouldn't go away. And anytime I tried to talk, I would start coughing. I even still now when I go the dog park or wherever it is if i'm active in in any sort of way um it spurs it on but anyways uh <laughs> yeah <clears throat> i've had a lot of home remedies sent my way let me tell you but i am on of course vitamin c vitamin d uh nac um and mulin i don't know how you pronounce it mullion uh, I make a tea out of it. It seems to have worked. All that stuff combined seems to have worked. Uh, so on the road to recovery, is it's all good. Good to see you, Lanyon. Um, yeah, good to see a, a good turnout tonight. Um, you know what? I have, because I haven't been live streaming for so long, there's a ton of stuff that I want to talk about before uh, we bring Salim in. And Salim's going to join us tonight as well and talk a little bit about um, his perspective on the Ukraine and, and, uh, and, and you know, the globalist agenda. I think everybody is getting the sense, and they should be getting the sense, that it's full speed ahead for these animals, these Satanists. Um, it's full steam ahead. And don't kid yourself. And yes, I'm going to say this across the Facebook profiles and into YouTube. Um, we know that the number one element to this overall agenda, Agenda 2030, Sustainable Development, is population reduction. We know that. They've told us that. So uh, we have to talk about it. And somebody has to talk about it. Our politicians don't talk about it. None of our elected politicians, federally, provincially, or municipally, ever talk about it. They all feign ignorance. They all deny its existence, even though there is a concerted effort in the Netherlands right now to shut down 3,000 farms in that country. 
because of their fertilizer use, because they are putting CO2 into the atmosphere. It's insane. What does that equal? What that equals is famine and starvation on a mass scale around the world. When our farmers can't farm and produce food, it equals famine and starvation around the world. And somehow they've convinced the masses that it's okay. That it's okay. It's not. It's just not okay. None of this is okay. But nobody talks about it. The media never talks about it, ever. Because they've signed an agreement called the Media Compact to only push the narrative that these devils want pushed. And they're all evil, all of them. The establishment is completely evil. I keep getting these people commenting on my posts in regards to defending Pierre Polivare. How do you do that? How do you manage to defend the leader of a party who is responsible for this agenda in our country? How do you do that? Is it just out of pure ignorance that you just don't get it? You just don't understand? And your default position is to defend the party you've always voted for because that's comfortable, because it feels good? Stop it. Figure this out. It's not hard. You literally just have to take a look outside of that matrix you're stuck in. Anyways, I got to give a shout out before I forget. I got to give a shout out to my awesome friends and patriots and freedom fighters in Saskatoon, Lynette and Jake. They, this picture is exactly the same picture that they put on their truck when they went to the convoy last year in February and took me with them. This was also, this one here was also on their truck. And, uh, and so they, they took and they, so they peeled them off their truck and they put them on these signs and they said, Lynette made it very clear. The next time you go live, I better see those on there. And so I'm just listening to what Lynette's telling me to do because I'm good at that. Uh, but yeah, great people. So thanks, Lynette and Jake. You guys are amazing. I, I love I love you guys. Uh, so I had to mention that. This one here, not where, there, this one here, this one. Uh, that was at the Moose Jaw event that, uh, that uh, um, what's his name? Why can't I remember his name? Art Lucier put on. And a lady, there was a there was a, a kid in the in the in the audience that gave it to a lady, and then the lady regifted it to me, and uh, I thought it was the coolest thing. Some little kid made this, you know, cross and, and thing, and so uh, that'll always be on on here as well. Um, so, anyways, uh, we we have to talk about it. I. You know, I'll be the one to talk about it. I'll sacrifice, you know, a suspension here and there on YouTube and Facebook to talk about what we really need to talk about. Uh, 
A um, couple of videos I want to show you as we get as we get rolling here. First one is uh, <laughs> he gets it. A uh, friend of mine who I happened to see when we were in Owen Sound, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Derek Rance. I just, somebody shared this video with me. I don't know if he has it posted anywhere, but I saved it and I put it up on, uh, I put it up on Rumble. Uh, but I, I want to play it because he gets it. Derek gets it. Uh, and it's to do with the gun grab. Of course, everything that we're talking about, all of the issues are all, of course, related to the overall agenda. Uh, as I've said for years, <laughs> decades. Anyways, I'm going to let Derek take this one for a minute. It's about this first, but the CCFR are wasting your membership fees. There's only one reason why Trudeau thinks it's okay to ban the guns, and that reason is the United Nations Sustainable Development Agreement, also known as Agenda 2030. Harper was the one who signed us on to this agreement back in 2015, when he only had one month left in office. During the little town halls that CCFR were doing with the leadership candidates for the CPC, not once did they ask about the United Nations Sustainable Development Agreement. And don't you think that's kind of important? I mean, it's the whole reason they're taking the guns in the first place. I mean, the CCFR are collecting your membership fees in order to fight for your rights as a gun owner, correct? Now, maybe they could say that they didn't know about it. Wrong, because I made a short video addressing these issues and how do you think I was treated? I was treated the same way a liberal treats a conservative. I was called a racist and promptly blocked. <coughs> Tracy Wilson claims that she is a lobbyist. She gets paid with the money that you give the CCFR as your membership fees to lobby politicians. Now, the problem is, is that she only lobbies one party and one person in that party. We'll get to that in a second. But it was clear to me that the PPC's platform on gun rights was absolutely superior to that of the CPC. But Tracy Wilson wouldn't know that because I don't remember her ever trying to lobby Max. So can we honestly say to ourselves that Tracy Wilson is doing everything within her power to do what's best for her members and Canadians? I'm going to say no. She only likes to lobby her bestie, Michelle Rempel. So essentially, CCFR members are giving their money to pay Tracy's salary to get a brand new camper van with her face on it to drive all over the province and to go have drinks with her friends. Now I'm going to reach out to the NFA and the CSSA to see if they want to actually address the real reason why the guns are being banned. Oh, one last thing. Isn't it illegal for a lobbyist to give gifts to a politician? So that is a gift certificate to get yourself a holster for your Just saying. So Derek nailed it, and of course, he has talked about it before, <coughs> and I appreciate that he has, um, but it is 100% related. Uh, there is a small arms treaty that the UN, uh, all you have to do, actually, if anybody's interested, is just Google small arms treaty um, and SDGs, and you'll see where that connection is. They are completely connected. They can't, they claim to not be able to achieve the goals of sustainable development without 
taking away your guns because Klaus Schwab, as he said a number of months ago in a video, that the populations are going to get a whole lot angrier. Well, of course, they're going to get angrier because we're, we're, we're losing our freedoms and we see that we're losing our freedoms and people that live <coughs> in Western civilization and have taken their freedom for granted for decades are going to start lifting their head above the foxhole to see what's going on. And they're going to realize that their rights are being stripped from them because in order for them to achieve the goals of sustainable development, they absolutely have to strip the rights away from people that live in Canada, the U.S., the U.K., throughout Europe, uh, in order to achieve the goals. They have to. They have to destroy Western civilization and everything it represents in order to achieve these goals. Because they know, and, and of course, guns are, are one of the primary focuses on all of this, because they know that if the people get pissed off enough, they're actually going to use them. And they might have to. Just saying. And I'm not encouraging it. I'm not promoting the idea. So don't spin my words and twist it into whatever you want it to be. Uh, that's the path that you have us on and you know it. And that's why you're coming after our guns. The liberals are lying when they say they're not coming after your hunting rifles. Yes, they are. They're coming after everything. Um, so it is what it is. Don't let them take them. Absolutely do not. Now, it is somewhat encouraging to see Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and the Yukon actively standing up and opposing this gun grab. Um, they're doing it because the people are getting restless. And it's the people who elect our leaders provincially, of course. And these provincial premiers are feeling a lot of pressure from the people. And that's a good thing. They need to feel more pressure from the people. Um, it's extremely important that people continue to hold town hall events, to email your MLAs, to email Scott Moe's office, and, and, and stand up and voice your opinion and tell them that you're paying attention to what's happening. Scott Moe likes to run around saying everything is fine in Saskatchewan. Everything's great. Economy's booming. Everybody's happy. Well, they're not. And I'm going to get into that in, in a bit further down in this, in this first hour. But it's imperative that we, the people, pressure our politicians. And I know there's, there's a lot of folks out there that are black-pilled and just want to burn the system down. I'm not one of them. The system has to be fixed from within. And at the end of the day, the reason we're at the point that we're at is because we all abdicated our responsibility to protecting our freedoms and our way of life to a whole bunch of politicians we thought had our best interest at heart, and they don't. We need to understand that. The reason all of these things are happening is because we all checked out of politics. We all said, I hate politics, and we went about our business. We got fat and lazy and complacent. And we didn't do anything. 
We didn't hold these people accountable for the decisions they made, not in our best interest. And so now we have to play catch up because of all of the decades behind us where we didn't give a shit. We didn't do anything. We got to take that responsibility back. We absolutely have to. And the people of Saskatchewan have shown that it works when you do that. We have to do that. That's on us. That's our responsibility. If we don't, and we just take the black pill and go lay down by our bowl and lick our nuts like a good house dog, of course nothing's going to happen. Of course it'll burn it, burn down. That's what they want. This idea that we have to burn this system to the ground is, is hogwash. It's bullshit. This idea. <clears throat> That's exactly what they want. They want to burn this to the ground. They want to destroy Western civilization, the best civilization humanity's ever known. They want to burn it to the ground. So when you black pillars are out there spreading the message, oh, there's nothing we can do. Oh, the system's got to be burnt to the bullshit. So many Canadians, so many Americans, so many Europeans died for this civilization that we should cherish. And apparently most of us do based on the values it represents, the values of freedom, liberty, justice, equality under the law, prosperity and truth, sovereignty. All of those are the values that they have to attack and destroy to achieve their goals. And the black pillars are telling me I have to accept that? That I need to burn this system down? No, what I need to burn down is the corrupt politicians. The people I need to get out of office are the corrupt politicians the, the people that drug us into this mess because we let them. That's on us. There's no silver bullet. There's no quick fix to any of this. This is on us for being fat and lazy and complacent for decades. That's how this works. And so we're starting to see as more people wake up that we're taking back that control and we're actually... <coughs> wagging, wagging the dog of government. I'll give you an example. Um, as the convoy was moving to Ottawa, <coughs> Scott Moe made an announcement that they was lifting the restrictions and the mandates. Everyone attributed that to the convoy putting the pressure on the Saskatchewan government. Although it played a role, and I'm not going to dismiss it by any stretch of the imagination how important that convoy was. But at the same time that that was happening, the Sask Party, the ruling party in Saskatchewan, had 10% of the donations they would have had at that time of year, years prior. 10%. And their base, the people who donate to the party, are mostly rural in, in Saskatchewan. And it's the rural folks that understand their way of life is under attack and understand how important freedom and liberty and justice and sovereignty and prosperity and truth and all these, all these things are to their way of life. And they told Scott Moe, enough's enough. Enough of your tyranny. We're not taking it anymore. 10% donations of what they would have normally had. That's why Scott Moe announced before any other premier in this country 
<coughs> they're lifting the mandates and restrictions. And what happened after that? Well, the next day, Jason Kenney announced that he's lifting the mandates and restrictions. Because, and it, but he moved it up because he has to be better than Scott Moe. So Scott Moe, the Saskatchewan people influenced Scott Moe, who influenced Jason Kenney, and then the rest of the dominoes fell. So congratulations, the people of rural Saskatchewan. You started the ball rolling. This is what I'm saying, that we have to re-engage. This is our country. This is our land. This is our province. This is ours. It belongs to us, not politicians, to give away to some unelected, unaccountable foreign entity who's creating cookie-cutter policy for the rest of the world. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever here. We have to stand up. And in that, the only way people are going to be motivated and inspired to stand up is if they understand what's truly happening. It just is what it is. There's another issue I got to talk about, and that's this euthanasia. Again, so there's the gun crap, there's euthanasia. Euthanasia is attached to this agenda. Euthanasia is part of the population reduction as the primary element of this whole agenda. Depopulation, that's what it is. So I got a video here I want to I want to play. Uh, it's only a couple of minutes long. Uh, but it's pretty good. And uh, it's a it's a parody uh, basically on how Canada is now becoming the country of euthanasia because we've completely obliterated laws. Uh, our country apparently doesn't cherish life anymore. Um, and this is what used to distinguish the Western world from the rest of the world is that we cherish human life. But that's been hammered on for so long because of this agenda. And it started with abortion. Abortion is a great way to reduce population. How many babies does North America kill every year? How many babies does Europe kill every year? Well, it's all attributed to this agenda. This is where it all started coming in because of this agenda as part of population reduction. Now, euthanasia is, is part of that now. So check this out. That's uh, very well done. <laughs> Oh. Who do you want to? I'll start it again. What do you want to do? Nothing. Who do you want to see? No one. How are you feeling? Empty. Depression hurts, and you may feel like there's nothing you can do. You're correct, but you don't have to end your life. We will. Ask your doctor if MAID is right for you. Canada has progressed beyond the need for people who are sick or depressed. 
and made has the fewest number of complaints from patients of any medical treatment in Canadian history. If you're experiencing illness, depression, poverty, toothaches, a temporary sinus infection, or anything else that might cost the Canadian government money to deal with, know that it gets better for us after you stop breathing. But don't take our word for it. Hear the testimonials of patients treated with our program. Why wait? Ask your doctor now. Become a member at freedomtunes.com for exclusive cartoons. So, they're not wrong. In fact, <clears throat> a few months ago, Saskatchewan had, a, had their app uh, where you could call um, Saskatchewan Health Authority and if you click number five, they would have a made representative contact you um, and encouraging you to take the easy way out. Uh, disgusting, thoroughly disgusting. Now, anybody that tells me that Scott Moe isn't part of the sustainable development agenda, doesn't promote it, is, is full of shit. Doesn't know their ear from their elbow. Scott Moe is neck deep in all of this, which is reflective on their policies. And so is every other premier. And so is the federal government, of course. And so euthanasia is expanding. Um, you know, some of the things that they're doing and they're promoting, I mean, they're even encouraging veterans who serve this country uh, to use MAID as an option, as a way out. It's thoroughly disgusting. I mean, a lot of these things go back to, you know, the, the Soviet days and to the, to the Nazi days. All of these things that we were accused of because we're on the right um, is actually, in fact, what they're doing. I can't stress this enough. We are in a war for our way of life, our culture, our freedoms, our liberties. We're in a war for justice. We're in a war of information. And the only way we win this war is to do what we're doing. And to spread the message and spread the information. So, and I can't do it myself. I mean, I got 335 people watching right now, which is pretty good, but I can't do it myself. The reason why I do all of the town halls that we've done, and I've done somewhere over 70 uh, in the last couple of years through the height of the pandemic, over 50,000 kilometers driven. And of course, not including flights. Uh, the reason I do it is because I want to inspire others who attend these town hall meetings to go out and multiply the message. We saw that happen in Saskatchewan when we went through Saskatchewan through the height of the pandemic where we weren't allowed because the state told us we weren't allowed to gather with more people than 10. We still did it anyway we actually put the message out and farmers responded saying, yeah, I'll host it in my shop or in my horse corral or in my old slaughterhouse in, in Northern Alberta. 
and then we noticed that after we held these town hall events, because people in rural <coughs> in rural Saskatchewan and Alberta are still very good at spreading messages, at communicating with each other, unlike the people who live in the cities where we don't even talk to our neighbors because we're so self-involved and self-absorbed with our lives in the cities that we could give a shit what's happening around us. The people who live in rural communities still understand how to get the message out, and they did, and we're watched this. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it come to fruition. A little place called Kelvington, Saskatchewan, a few months ago, Scott Moe was running around the province, patting himself on the back, hosting all these town hall meetings, telling everybody what a wonderful job they're doing. And they actually had people calling him out because they wanted him to tell them what his position was on the sustainable development agenda. And his answer was exactly the same as Pierre Polivare's. I don't know anything about it. I've never read it. And they held him his feet to the fire over it. Because people are getting it. And the only, the only way these corrupt, disgusting politicians are ever going to be forced to say anything is because of us. Because we force them to do it. It's the only way. Or you don't elect them again. You stay away from every single establishment political party that's out there provincially, federally, municipally, the, the, the regulars. Stay away from them. Don't support them. Don't give them money. Don't support their parties. Tell them you've had enough. It's over. Because they're all committed to this agenda, all of them, across the board. And guess what? None of them, like for example, in 1992... When Brian Mulroney, your conservative prime minister, first committed us, our nation, to this nation-destroying, prosperity-destroying, freedom-destroying agenda, he didn't then come back to Canada and tell all his MPs to go host a town hall meeting to inform the people of what we just signed them up to. They didn't report to the people what they've committed to and what the consequences of that commitment to this agenda really is. Never happened, not once. In fact, what they did is denied it since 1992, since they first signed it. Nobody's talked about it. They've all denied it. What's the definition of a conspiracy? A whole bunch of people going together, conspiring an idea and not telling the rest of the public that they're obligated to tell. That's not only a conspiracy, it's not a theory, it's a fact, but it's also treason. They've all committed treason, all of them either by ignorance or omission or blatant, blatant disregard for your best interests. None of them. Liberal, conservative, NDP, block green federally ever 
said two words to you about this agenda, sustainable development agenda. Not one. Not one. Ever. And when asked, they called anybody who asked them a conspiracy theorist. Because that was the best way to label shame, ridicule, and dismiss the people asking the right questions. Like myself. Who's still referred to as a conspiracy theorist. Why did Brian Mulroney do this? Well, because they're all sold out. Because they've all been given promises. If they do this, they'll be taken care of. They don't care about you. These establishment politicians could care less about you. This is about them using the system for their own benefit. It's nothing to do with you or your best interests. Since they signed that agenda. And and who else has been involved? Well, since that, they signed it in 92. The liberals implemented it like they always do. <coughs> the Kretchen liberals implemented it through the bureaucracy. And it wasn't like they brought all of the public sector employees together to tell them, we have this wonderful agenda we're going to start implementing through the bureaucracy. They never did that either. They compartmentalized all of this. And then would put out these policies that nobody understood, but just doing their job, unbeknownst to anybody. They kept it from you since 92. Well, since before then, Papa Trudeau was a guy who tapped Maurice Strong to go and help develop this agenda back in early 70s. The same people who created this agenda, Agenda 2030, Agenda 21, the same people created the World Economic Forum, which is only <coughs> a support mechanism for this agenda. That's all it is. Everyone thinks World Economic Forum is the top dog in globalism. It isn't. Klaus Schwab is a peon. Klaus Schwab is only a support mechanism for this agenda. That's why he exists. That's why the World Economic Forum exists, to support this agenda and to push it. For global governance, the destruction of the nation state. And as they move along in this and trying to achieve these goals by 2030, more and more things are going to become very apparent and in your face and in everybody's face. Just inflation and cost of living can be attributed to this agenda right now, all of it. But the problem is, is no politicians are held accountable. No politicians have a thousand emails in their email box saying, you better stop this shit now or we're coming for you. They don't have that because nobody's doing it because there's not enough people that understand it. The media never talks about it. Have you heard the media talk about how Holland is going to close 3,000 farms and buy out the farmers to shut it down? There's an article here I want to show you. Um, (laughs) It's amazing to me how 
this can all still be attributed to conspiracy theory. People are still saying it's conspiracy theory. It's it's phenomenal. Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, recently spoke on Chinese state media where he proclaimed that the Chinese regime is a role model in the systemic or systematic transformation of the world. This follows an agreement signed by world representatives at the G20 summit in Bali that is heavily modeled around the 17 Sustainable Development Goals from the United Nations Agenda 2030 platform with which the World Economic Forum is a strategic partner. Meanwhile, massive protests are sweeping across China against the ruling communist regime zero-COVID policy. This happens as the regime regime is finishing construction of a massive massive detention camp allegedly to house people infected with COVID-19. However, given the CCP has used its QR health pass system to mass arrest protesters, it's likely the camp will be used to detain political prisoners, naturally. In this live Q&A with Crossroads host Joshua Phillip, we'll discuss these stories and others and answer questions from the audience. So I'm going to just copy this link and plop it down into the chat and you guys can uh, take it from there. But I, I just, I just, I need to say this again, how important it is that people start to grasp what's going on. Recently spoke on Chinese state media where he proclaimed that the Chinese regime is a role model in the systematic transformation of the world. This, a, a communist dictatorship, is the model they're going to use. This follows an agreement signed by the world representatives at the G20 summit in Bali that is heavily modeled around the 17 Sustainable Development Goals from the United Nations Agenda 2030 platform, with which the World Economic Forum is a strategic partner. Now, when I ask Pierre Polivare to his face what his position is on the sustainable development agenda, his reply to me is he has no idea what it is. I know he's lying. But there's a lot of people out there that believe him when he says that because they don't know what that is either. So because they don't know, they're willing to give Pierre Polivare enough room and the benefit of the doubt that he probably doesn't know either. Of course he knows. He voted on the thing four times. He knows exactly what it is, but he cannot admit to it, because if he does, the Conservative Party will be shown as the party responsible for bringing it to our country. Mulroney in 92, Harper and his government made it law in 2008, and then signed it again one month before the election of Justin Trudeau in 2015, September 27th committed to it again. And now Justin Trudeau just again made another agreement in Bali on behalf of you. 
And if you ask any of them about it, they'll call you a conspiracy theorist. Somebody told me the other day, well, he can't say it. He can't talk about it because then he'll call, everyone will call him a conspiracy theorist. Well, so what? Is it the truth? Then tell the truth. Then employ your MPs. Teach your MPs so they can go and tell the people, their constituents, that they owe them the truth to. And they can go and tell them what this represents and what it is. But know what? They won't do it. They can't do it because it doesn't exist. I haven't read it. I don't know anything about it. And people accept it. It's unbelievable to me. It's sick. We're a very, we're a very, very sick nation. We're a nation of zombies. Other than the people that are in this chat and the people I've met around the country, it's getting better because every single town hall event that we've been to has been full. Full. Bob Leon over in, in Alberta, the, the founder of the Alberta Prosperity Project, um, ran as a as a candidate in the by-election in Medicine Hat. Um, Bob's fantastic. The Independence Party is in good hands with Archer Pulowski and Bob Leon being a part of that because that's Bob understands Bob gets it. Bob is able to relate all of these issues to this agenda. He knows hundred percent word is getting out, but I can't do it myself. Bob Leon can't do it himself. Archer can't do it himself. You folks have to hold these politicians accountable. I can't do it for you because I'm only one. We need to flood their email boxes. And I'm serious. When I say, and I put up a post a while ago in regards to this, people often ask me, what can we do? Well, here's what you do. You get a bunch of people together in your riding. You all blast your MP with emails. Demanding, not requesting, demanding they hold a town hall event in the riding to report to the people what the sustainable development agenda means and what it is and why you signed it. Demand that they do that. I put up a post, I don't know, it was about maybe a month ago, maybe less, in regards to this. I sent an email, I even created <coughs> an email that people could just copy and paste and change, you know, who it's addressed to. And then go out and do it. I saw a few emails come into my inbox where people actually did it and they CC'd me. But there's nothing I would like to see more than the people coming together and demanding that their representatives actually speak to them about this agenda. Force their hand. Force them to do it. They owe that to you. That's their job. And if they don't do it, if they refuse to talk about it, fire them at the earliest opportunity you get. Fire them. And make sure you go to your neighbors, 
throughout your community and talk to people and tell them this is what you've requested and demanded of your representative to tell them, tell the people the truth. Do that and watch their hair light on fire because they'll be caught with their pants down. They won't know whether to shit or go blind because all of a sudden the people rose up and demanded accountability and demanded action and answers to these questions, these issues that are destroying what our ancestors built and what thousands of Canadians died protecting. That's the least we can do. It's the least we can do, isn't it? Anyway, uh, I have to go to Facebook because there's a lot of things that I've been posting um, that'll jog my memory that I wanted to talk about. I, I've only got 20 minutes until Salim joins us, so I have to kind of, I have to kind of hurry. Uh, but there's a number of things like, like this one. Have you ever, have you ever seen an ad? For a body removal agent? <laughs> have you? I haven't. It's first, this is the first for me. From $200 a day, full-time, part-time, or casual. Full job description. We are a dedicated team of body removal agents responding to sudden and expected deaths. You notice how they throw in expected deaths. Like somehow it, everyone's all of a sudden expecting all of these deaths <laughs> well they should be expecting them because it's it is what's happening we perform removals uh, hang on we perform um removals for the bc coroner service morgue transfers and as well as transporting deceased persons to several local funeral homes throughout the Lower Mainland. Our territory extends from the summit of the Coquihalla to Lions Bay in West Vancouver. We work 24-hour shifts and perform a variety of tasks related to the dignified and professional removal of deceased persons. This position is well-suited for those seeking future policing, fire, and other first responders. Ah, God. It's just... It's phenomenal, to be honest with you. It's... They used to actually just call that a coroner. The coroner used to do it. But guess what? The coroner is too busy. So they need to hire body removal agents because the coroner is too busy. The medical, um, whatever they're called, uh, they're all too busy. So they got they to hire at $200 a day, body removal agents. Hmm? Ever seen that before? No, me neither. And, uh, yeah, here's, here's, uh, came out of Fox News. And, again, <clears throat> you'll see it further in my thread. <clears throat> uh, Peter Sweden actually brought this up. Netherlands reportedly set to forcibly close 3,000 farms 
to comply with EU mandate. Such Dutch, some Dutch farmers have said their industry is being unfairly targeted while other sectors like aviation are not. Would it be any better if they were attacked? Would it be any better that they want to destroy all of the economy? I, I always hate that language. Well, you're not doing it to anybody else. Don't do it to us. That's, that's terrible language. Don't use it. Dutch government is planning a purchase and then close down up to 3,000 farms in an effort to comply with the European Union environmental mandate to slash emissions, according to the report. Now, this is all in regards to the sustainable development agenda. It's all connected. Type in the reduction of nitrogen, type in CO2 reduction and SDGs, and you'll see that it's all, it's all connected. Fox News doesn't like to talk about the sustainable development agenda. They would prefer, as they, as they do, they talk about the Green New Deal because they always like to brand things as their own Americans. And they don't like to talk about this unelected, unaccountable foreign entity that's creating cookie cutter policy for the planet that their government is committed to. So they, they don't like to talk about sustainable development agenda, agenda 2030, and they should. Anyway, farmers in the Netherlands will be offered well over the worth of their farm in an effort to take up the offer voluntarily. Telegraph reported the country is attempting to reduce its nitrogen pollution and will make the purchases if not enough farmers accept buyouts. There is no better offer coming, Christiane van der Waal, nitrogen minister, told the Dutch parliament on Friday. The farms targeted for compulsory purchase are located near environmentally sensitive areas, according to the reports. Van der Waal said purchase Purchases would be made with the plan, a pain in the heart if necessary. Fox News Digital has reached out to the Dutch embassy in Washington, D.C., but has not heard back. The Netherlands is trying to reduce its emissions to comply with EU conservation rules. Bullshit. They're actually there to comply with the sustainable development agenda. Fox News, don't lie. I, I just hate it when these people do this. Anyways, um... So that's that. It's in the news. So that's good. That's a good thing, but it's just not reported properly. Um, and yes, global goals for sustainable development. And then I wrote this. Do you think Pierre Polivare, as leader of the party responsible for bringing us UN Agenda 2030, and they are, will ever take responsibility in being the fact that, and then further to that, actually denounce the agenda in full? If not, he has no right to lead this nation out of the mess that they are responsible for. Until he does, you won't hear a peep about it from the conservative premiers because they carry the CPC water for them. And they do. And this is why Scott Moe says exactly the same thing as Pierre Polivare does when it comes to this agenda. This is why Danielle Smith hasn't said a word about sustainable development agenda, agenda 2030, since she's been premier. Although, when she was a radio personality, she did actually talk about the sustainable development agenda and what it represented. But now as premier, she has to carry the water for the federal conservatives <coughs> because if Danielle Smith talks about it or Scott Moe talks about it or the other premiers talk about it, they're going to hang the federal conservative party. So mum's the word. We don't want to say anything about it because 
then we're going to have to put the blame exactly where it belongs on the Conservative Party of Canada. They're the ones who signed it and committed us to it on two occasions in 92 and 2015. And then there's the Friends of Science. I love the Friends of Science. They're my go-to. Global warming, northern hemisphere snow cover at 56-year high. Wow, that global warming narrative just isn't fucking happening. But understand that it's not about global warming anymore. It's about climate change, right? Everything's about climate change because apparently they have everybody thinking that the climate's never changed before until, you know, the industrialized civilization came about which is complete hogwash. The climate has changed since it, this ball, and sorry, flat earthers, it is a ball, uh, has been around. Climate has changed and will continue to change. Um, the day it doesn't change is the day that you can all light your hair on fire. But um, so even within the climate change narrative, they could then blame all of this snow on climate change, which they try to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So here's the Peter Sweden tweet. Netherlands has announced, and this is the, this is the correct way. If you're going to inform people of something, this is the correct way to do it. Netherlands has announced they will seize 3000 farms in order to meet 2030 climate goals. Farmers will be forced to sell the land that they have owned for generations to the state. This is climate communism. Well, it's it's climate commu fascism because the communist and the fascist have merged. And <clears throat> they merged back in the late 60s to create the Club of Rome. So anyways, I had to post that and my comment was, remember folks, Scott Moe had no idea that what this agenda is. Same agenda the Pierre Polivare denies knowing anything about. Yet you still believe in these people. Seriously? Stop it. Stop believing in the establishment parties. They're all complicit. They're all on board with this agenda. Until you, the people, can get them to fully denounce it publicly for everyone to hear, they're full on board with it. And they better start talking about it because the rest of the world is talking about it. Of course, the rest of the world is talking about it because the rest of the world is starting to see how it's implicating everything. It's about all of these issues. And Scott Moe, keep lying to the people. Scott Moe is very happy that we've hit 1.2 million people in this province even though he's achieved it through mass immigration, which will do nothing but destroy the fabric of our country and this province. If we continue to leaving the doors wide open on immigration, that's not how you solve problems. You don't solve them by firing all the people in healthcare and then hiring all of the immigrants that come here. That's not how you resolve these problems. In fact, you don't fire your healthcare staff for not getting a jab. You don't do that. You actually live up to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. You live up to the Bill of Rights. 
Scott Moe is the, is the architect of his demise and our demise. Because by doing that, by bringing in and echoing what Pierre Polivar says when it comes to bringing in more people so they can fill these positions, they're destroying their ability to get elected. Because all of these people will vote liberal or NDP. Straight up fact. We know this. But they don't care. They don't care because they've already had their buyout. They've already had their promises made. They don't care. Fire them, all of them. Yeah. So I wrote this, Raina shared it uh, the other day, and I believe it. Imagine being alive at such a time as this. Being on this planet at this time in history is an amazing gift. Don't squander it. Embrace it as the most amazing responsibility ever bestowed on a people. You, we, have an unbelievable opportunity to save Western civilization and freedom from the clutches of global tyranny. Embrace it. Love it. Take enormous pride in what you're doing. You will leave an amazing legacy. Imagine sitting on the sidelines, oblivious, watching others fight for the values everyone claims to cherish. We've all been chosen. Not all will accept this responsibility, but those who do will forever be remembered and honored when we win. This is a war we didn't ask for. We didn't create it. It was foisted upon us, and it is now ours to fight and win. And win we will. But it's going to take all of us, not just me, not just, you know, Salim Mansour or, or Bob Blayon or Archer Pulowski or, you know, people across this country. It, it, it's going to take a lot of us. And more and more people are getting it. More and more people are being exposed to what's going on. Uh, I'm still banned on Twitter, by the way. And there it is. I'm just waiting for my release. It appears to be imminent. Uh, So there's a lot more that I wanted to go through. Uh, You don't need to see that. That was fun. Uh, Scott Moe bragging again. Yeah, here's where the Yukon has voted to join Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and refusing to cooperate with Justin Trudeau's tax on law-abiding gun owners. It was a while ago, back in October, um, but good to see. And it is how it is how we're going to defeat globalism, but there has to be unity. And that unity will only come from the people. And this is why I say, um, you know, it's incredibly important. I know... There's a lot of people that are trying to force this unity. And and unfortunately, we're a group of freedom-loving individuals and individual freedom. And so there's a lot of different ideas. And I've said this before on my on my streams, and I mean it. Because of who we are. That unity can only come through 
factual information and knowledge. It's, it's imperative. There are no silver bullets in any of this. Anybody that's preaching to you that they have an answer in a bottle, a quick fix, a silver bullet, is full of shit. This isn't going to happen overnight. And I know there's so many of us brought up in this throwaway society, this immediate gratification, that think it can happen overnight. It's not going to. Constitutional conventions, myth is Canada, common law, Christopher James, all this hogwash is just that. It's hogwash. There's no silver bullet. What this is going to take is the people to unify under factual, truthful information and understanding where the attack is coming from, who our enemy is. Once we all get it, then we can come together under that umbrella and force these establishment slimy politicians to do what we expect and what we demand them to do. And if not, we fire them and we elect somebody that will represent our best interest as a nation and as a province. It's the only way. It's the only way. There's no silver bullet. There's no quick fix that's going to just do this. All of those things that these people talk about lead to violence and insurrection. It's all it does. It's all it does. And, and while they may have us on that path, as I spoke about earlier, I want to avoid that. And it's not to say that we couldn't be successful if it ever came to that. I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's not 1776 anymore. But I'd like to, I'd like to resolve it before it gets to that point. Nobody wants that because it's really ugly and it's bloody and it's messy and it's gross. I don't think anybody wants that. But we can actually do this. The people can achieve this. We can stop it if we unify under factual, truthful information that the agenda, Agenda 2030 Sustainable Development Goals is the paramount of globalism. It is dictating to everyone around the world, the nation states around the world, what they're going to do as a nation. And those people of each of those nations have to stand up <coughs> and say no. That's our job. We That's our responsibility. Again, we've spent so many decades being fat, lazy, and complacent and just allowing these people to do this. That now we have to come together. We have to do this. We have to fix this because we let them do it. It's our job. I can't do it myself. I need you folks. I need all of you to, to come together under that mission and, and win and say no. And who cares if they call you conspiracy theorist? It's the truth. It'll only be the media and the politicians that refer to you as that and label you as that. And maybe some uninformed folks uh, that live on your street. Um, 
but we got to have town halls everywhere. We got to have this information everywhere. Make sure everybody understands it. It's not, it can't just be up to me. It can't just be up to Bob Blayon or others to do this. Salim Mansour. <coughs> it has to be everybody. That's how we win. And we will. I'm confident we will. Uh, I'm going to keep doing what I do uh, till the day I die. I'm going to have to because that's my responsibility. And I do it in honor and in a sense of duty and responsibility to all of those that gave the ultimate sacrifice for my freedom and the life that I lived. And I want my kids to have that. I need my kids and their kids to have that. If we don't do this, they're not going to have that. It's over. This is our time. This is our responsibility. We don't have a choice. Anyways, without further ado, um, I still have lots more I got to talk about, but I'll do it another day, maybe tomorrow night. Um, Salim Mansour is backstage, and I can't wait to bring him here because it's been so long since we've come together. How are you, my friend? Good to see you. Good to see you, um, Mark. And I've been catching up with you in, in the last five, ten, five minutes. And I don't know how far you can go in expanding what you're expanding in such a powerful and persuasive and heartfelt manner, you know. And that leads me to asking, what is needed for the people to awake? What what more is needed for them to well, awake? I, Salim, I think it's more pain, and it's coming. More pain is coming. And I think that's the only thing that will really trigger the rest of the masses. And, and, and more and more people are waking up, and I don't want to suggest that there isn't and hasn't been an awakening because there has, but it's not to the point where we need it yet. But that's going to take more pain, I think. And and that's the only thing that's going to shake a lot of these people. Like, you know, I could walk through my neighborhood and knock on a bunch of doors and nobody would have any idea what I'm talking about. Right. It's, it's only when they're exposed to the pain that they'll then maybe start to listen to see what's going on and what's causing this pain. I think that's what it's going to take. Yes, uh, but but what is more? Again, that is again a definitional problem. How deep you have to go into the ditch before we are drowning? <laughs> yeah, and well, suffocate. And and so, yes, yeah. I mean, in in in, ge in a general sense, what you're saying is right. You know, uh, this uh, afternoon, as I was watching uh, the World Cup soccer, uh, the group of sixteen. Um, I was sitting with my computer and I was, you know, roaming around, picking up issues. And I touched upon um, the polling data, the recent polling data. What is the polling data or where we are in the country? And what jumped out, at least at this moment, what jumped out is that if an election was called next week, Justin Trudeau will win a majority. So or I'm, not, that I'm, I'm not buying it. I, I think I think those are lying polls. I think they're no, I, think no, I agree with you. I agree with you, but I'm just saying, you know, before we go into 
the 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 backstory, the numbers, and that numbers get circulated, right? And it is being circulated, and he will win it. Uh, he will win it. That's the that is the projection. Um, <clears throat> and let's let's for the argument's sake stick with the projection, okay? And then we can go because we now know from twenty twenty that election in the Western world is no longer an election. It is a rigged affair. It is cosmetic. It is a lie we are living, right? And if they, there is no integrity to election, then election is simply a ritual by which the elite then claims that they have the justification. Right. I mean, Biden in a basement wins election. In We saw the November election, you know, I mean, that was supposed to be a red wave tsunami coming through in the American midterm. And now, by literally, by the skin of the teeth, the Republicans are hanging whether they're going to take control of the House. They've lost the control of the Senate. Well, but I heard, they took, I heard they took California. California turned red, I heard. California did what? I didn't get that. California turned red. California is turning red? That's what, what they're saying? That's, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, but that's what we were hearing before the election that Arizona will elect uh, Carrie Lake. Yeah, it was a given, and it was a, it was sure that the Senate would would flip over just as the House would flip over, and 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 we saw and just to pick up one or two uh, 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 results as an evidence, a man who can hardly put a sentence together. I feel sorry for the man. He came out of a stroke. And he wins the election and becomes a senator in, 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 in Pennsylvania. And Dr. Oz was defeated. Now, now it is quite evident that these were rigged election. And there is no mechanism available to the people to, you know, question and then revisit the election. 2020 election, and we are now in the midterm. And we are anticipating, in the American case, the 2024 election. So the Canadian numbers that suggest that you know they will have a majority is, apart from it being a rigged election, apart from maybe the the polling data is phony. But the arithmetic of Canadian Parliament is one in which the mainstream party, Liberal, Conservative, and and the others. They can totally ignore Western Canada, concentrate on Ontario and Quebec, and get a majority. Right. And that's, we have been talking about that. You and I have been talking about. So that was what my sort of the rhetorical question what we need, what will happen before enough people wake up to make a difference, you know? Mm. Uh, and the thing is, that the people look at the world through the window of the mainstream media. That, that is a given, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how that, many people... That, 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 there you go. You just nailed it. That's what needs to change. <coughs> as, soon as, as soon as we can release the grip that mainstream media has on the populace is the day that we make real change. And that's what has to happen. Right, exactly. So, so those are the odds against which your voice and the voice of others. Yeah, this is the thing, and this is this is why, Celine. This is why I still believe in 
in in like even when the discussion came about um you know the the um the uh censorship bill uh c11 coming in i'm actually not that afraid of that to be honest with you i think that would be an opportunity for people like myself who would never be able to do this again um to get off my butt and get out into the into the ether into the populace themselves and and by holding more live in-person meetings that we all need to do more of um i mean this is nice this is digital tonight that we're on right now and it's good but it's an echo chamber we need to get out to the people and in their face and tell them what's happening and 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 that's for me that's the only thing that'll ever work if we're gonna and and we that can be more powerful than even the media if we can do that, because when when a guy like myself speaks at a town hall, for example, and it's just an example, people can see that I'm genuine. People can see that I'm and they can check for themselves everything that I'm saying, that I'm telling the truth and expose and they can see my my emotions. They can feel what I'm presenting to them. And that has an enormous effect more so than the digital world does, or even mainstream media. I think we would have an advantage in that case. And if more and more people would just would just do it. Yeah, it's all for the good of what you're saying, you know, and, and, and the promise in behind what you're saying. But there is the objective reality we have to confront, you know. And right. what I'm leading up to is the following. We also have to be relentlessly self-critical. Yes. You know, after all, the, the most fundamental message in all of philosophy, in all of religion, can be encapsulated in that one sentence of Jesus that has been said in all, as I said, religion and philosophy. Mm. Take the beam out of your eyes. Right. Whose beam? My beam. That means we have to be relentlessly critical. I have to be relentlessly critical about myself, you, yourself. In other words, we Canadians have to be relentlessly critical about our failings. Yes. Because we fail. We cannot soft talk ourselves out of the situation we are in. We cannot pat, a, pat ourselves on the back and say, you know, we can get out of this. Uh, 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 Pierre Trudeau is a moron. Uh, Justin Trudeau is a moron. Because that's not happening. Right. Because if, if you're not, not self-critical, Justin Trudeau is getting vote. You well, know? And, 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 but even still. So and just, <clears throat> as an example to what you're saying, there's, there's a, a rally being planned. Um, Trudeau must go across the country, which I made very clear that I couldn't support. Support that narrows to to just being Trudeau. Just being Trudeau, and it's not just Trudeau. and it's not just Trudeau. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I agree. It's the but whole establishment. Yeah. 
So if we are willing to be self relentlessly self-critical, we have to see ourselves and we have to see the world. And, 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 and I wanted to suggest to you that Canada doesn't live in an isolation. Canada lives in a world and events are happening both within Canada, but outside of Canada. But the window through which Canadians are seeing the world is the window that is the mainstream media. And the talking heads of the mainstream media and the elected politicians in um, the legislatures and in the Parliament of Canada. And what is happening is it is not only a selective uh, view of the world, it is a highly tainted view of the world. And we have to open the window in our discussion to bring what is happening in the world as a complement to what is happening in Canada. And so, you know, what is happening in the world right now, as you and I are speaking, is a massive transition taking place. I mean, we are in the midst of it. Whatever is our situation in Canada with the ruling party and, and, and so on, provincial issues. And, and of course, you have been, uh, you and I have been talking about it, but you have taken the leadership. You know, I have it sitting on my table, UN Agenda 2030, the 17 chapters, and I keep going through them, you know, and you have been talking about that. And, 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 and the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset, so these are huge tectonic shift in the domestic politics of Canada as it is being implemented. And then there is the global dimension of it and that is happening. And this year, 2022 began with the expectation on the part of the Biden administration holding both the Senate and the House in the control of the Democratic Party and the rhinos going along with the Democratic Party. So the whole expectation from the part of the people in power was the new Green Deal. The WF agenda is going to be implemented during the Biden administration. And of course, Canada is fully on board with it. And so are the European Union and NATO. But Whatever men and mice decide upon, there are other forces in operation also. Or as the saying goes, what man proposes, God can dispose. Yes. So 2022 began with the, you know, breast beating on the part of the Democratic Party and the oligarchs and, and the media. That is, everything is online. All the ducks are in line, you know, and, and they had got rid of uh, Donald Trump in 2020. The whole COVID scam was, you know, now as we know more and more about it from alternative sources was a scam right from the beginning, but it was a scam designed to test how they can control the world population. It was a global experiment. Yeah, hundred percent. It was, it was um, a social engineering project and conditioning project to prepare the masses for what's yet to come exactly i mean i mean just the numbers are astronomical over almost six billion people in the world have been jabbed within a vaccine 
which is a gene therapy, right? So the numbers are astounding. And all of this was the argument I'm presenting or we want to discuss is from the point of view of the globalists, they had won. And, and as, as a result of that arrogance, they started the war in Ukraine. The war in Ukraine is a globalist war. 100%. They push, they push the whole agenda of NATO expansion eastward, threatening uh, uh, dismantling of the Russian Federation, you know, and and of course bringing about a regime change. And so the war began in February, twenty-four. Ten months later. We can now look back upon it. 2022 has been a massive dis derailment of the globalist agenda in the world. The Great Reset has been met with the Great Rupture. Mm. Because war in uh, Ukraine with the full spectrum sanction that was imposed by NATO powers on Russia has backfired. The whole argument was that the full spectrum sanction is going to reduce the Russian ruble into rubble, will destroy the Russian economy. Mm. And, and so, you know, the new Green Deal and the globalist agenda by default, just like with, with COVID-19, is going to come out. You know, they're, they're going to get their agenda. Ten months later, it is Europe that is basically the economy is contracting, heading into a depression. Energy prices have exploded. The Salim, they're sorry, they're they're the Germans because of the energy policies and their dependence on Russia, of which Trump told them don't be dependent on Russia, and they didn't listen. In fact, they all laughed at him when he said that. Um, are now cutting down forests to heat their homes. Right. All of that is happening now and it's going to accelerate. I mean, once the, once the distraction, the World Cup is a distraction and the whole world is watching it, yeah. I am watching it because I enjoy soccer. You know, yeah. I've always watched it, you know, and this year I'm missing what... Uh, I was hesitant to watch it because... I'm missing my son. The last World Cup soccer, me and my son, we were watching together. You know, my son was crazy about sport. It is truly a world sport. So I'm watching it. The whole Europe is watching it. Everyone is watching it. So it's a big distraction. Once this is over, the reality is going to hit the face because that's when we'll be in the heart of winter. Mm -hmm. Christmas, heart of winter. So let's talk about it. What has happened is there's a great rupture taking place that is not being discussed in the mainstream media. The Canadian people don't know that, you know? Right. And let me take, to get into that discussion for this evening, let me take the recent G20 summit in Bali, Indonesia, that happened only a month ago, right. November, November 15, 16. Where they all recommitted to agenda 2030. Yeah, but let's let's dissect it. Let's yeah. dissect, it. you know, I mean, the question is the, the G20, what is the G20? G20 is basically G7 plus the global south. 
the major major economies of the global south, right? Uh, so there is the G20, <clears throat> Canada, United States, France, Britain, Germany, uh, Italy, and Japan. And then the balance are the global south. The, the conference was held in which it is the G7 that is giving and laying down the agenda. The host country was Indonesia, one of the global south leaders. You know, for, for our listeners, Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the Pacific region in terms of population. It is also a resource-rich country. It is an oil-producing country, gas-producing country, you know, and so one of the major economies in the Pacific Basin, all right? So it was the host country. And it is the G7 that, that lays down, in a sense, the agenda, because the agenda was pre pre prepared last year, and, and the meeting is taking this year, where the agenda is laid down. So uh, obviously the EU agenda, the NATO agenda, the WEF agenda, was the agenda that was presented at G7. And at the end of the meeting, the final communique is going to be was to be released, was released. And, and that's what you're mentioning, that they agreed on climate change policy, on the green agenda, and so on and so forth. But they completely rejected, and this is the first time it has happened, they rejected Biden and the G7 main proposition. What was the main proposition? And so everything else is then a supplementary. The main proposition that Biden went to Bali and Putin did not go, Putin sent his foreign minister, Lavrov. The Chinese president was there, Xi Jinping because it was all the heads of government that was there, except for Putin. So what was the agenda that Biden went to, you know, get them to agree upon in the final communique was to declare Russia the aggressor in Ukraine and condemn Russia by name. And the final communique that was released neither mentioned Russia by name, nor did the final communique say that Russia is the aggressor. Mm. What said was a condemnation of the war that is going to hurt and is hurting the economies of all the countries, and especially the poor economies resulting from, you know, the price of fertilizer, the price of, you know, hydrocarbon fuel, all the special you know, metals and so on. And, and, and that is the, the biggest concern now, not only of the global South, but also of the European countries, right? So the, G, so the Bali conference only condemned the war, did not mention Russia, did not mention Putin by name. What does that suggest? I, I will expand a little more, but what does that suggest? that the global south rejected the american leadership on what is america's most important foreign policy at this moment because america is waging a war in ukraine against russia 
Okay, that was one. The members who came to the G7 uh, uh, Bali conference, that is the Global South members, among them was Saudi Arabia, for instance. For the first time in the history of Saudi Arabia and American relationship that goes all the way back to the years immediately after World War I and during World War II, when Franklin Roosevelt met with the founder of Saudi Arabia, King Abdulaziz Ibn Saud, you know, when he was returning from Yalta in 1945, he took a special trip to go and meet the Saudi king. A special relationship was bound, and it is on the basis of that we have the petrodollar as a world currency. The world reserve currency is the petrodollar, backed up by oil from OPEC countries, principally Saudi Arabia. For the first time, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, who will be the next king, Mohammed bin Salman, refused to meet Biden on a one-to-one -one session. Biden had one-to-one -one session with the president of China and with other leaders, the president of Turkey, Erdogan, and he wanted a one-to-one -one meeting with uh, Saudi Arabia. And what was the main agenda that he wanted to meet Saudi Arabia on one-to-one so that the Saudi Arabia can pump more oil to, you know, get the oil into the, into the, uh, um, uh, on the basis of petrodollar into, into Europe. And the Saudi king refused to meet with the president. The message is the most astounding message, which again, the Western media has downplayed because what it says to the Gulf countries, to the African countries, to the OPEC countries, and to the global South, that Saudi Arabia does not any longer consider the United States as the guarantor of Saudi security. Right. What does that mean? It means that there is a new alliance that is taking place, the multipolar alliance. There is a Eur Eurasian alliance, China and Russia coming together. Mm -hmm. And along with China and Russia to coming together, both China and Russia are the founders of the BRIC nation. Yeah. So Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, that are the founding countries. And to that now, almost all the major countries of the global south have applied to become members, including Saudi Arabia, yeah. Argentina, mm. Mexico, a whole lot of country. Indonesia is already there. So this is a game-changing event taking place. Alongside BRIC is SCO, that is the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. And that too, Saudi Arabia is joining, all the Gulf countries are joining, Turkey is joining, etc., etc., etc. India is already a member. Uh, Pakistan is a member, Central Asian countries are a member. So the influence and the power of the Western G7 countries is rapidly diminishing. Even though Mr. Biden and the European Union brought along with them the Bali conference, G20 conference, or the conference of the heads of government. So what was Klaus Schwab doing there? 
what was Bill Gates doing there? Well, they were brought by Biden and the European Union, you know, to sit there and talk. What about the, the global south? Were they lining up behind them? The answer is no, because they are now said enough is enough. We are going to break away and create an alternative platform. It will be, be it will be within the UN, but it will be an alternative platform. It will no longer be led by the unipolar power, United States, and its vassal states, Britain, Canada, France, Germany, etc. This is a game changer, uh, Mark, because we are returning back, those with a sense of history, we are returning back to the world during the Cold War when there was the non-aligned conference or what is called the Group of 77. You know, they were separate from the... the are you referring to the non-aligned movement? Pardon me? Is that the non-aligned movement? Yeah, the non-aligned movement it was, and it, it it faded away because the Cold War ended. Now it's 135, but yeah. yeah. We're talking about diplomatic and political rupture that is taking place. The arrogance of the United States was that it will be the unipolar world, and it will be rule-based economy, uh, rule-based system in which the United States and its allies will decide what are the rules, not in the United Nations, which was rejected by Putin, which was rejected by Xi Jinping, which was rejected by the Indians. So we have to understand international law is a law that has to have the full participation of other countries in making that law. And that can only take place in an international organization, whether an individual country likes it or not, that will take place. I mean, take the case of Israel and, and the Palestinians. Whatever, but but Celine, don't you don't you see this all as like I look back, you know, twenty years that I've been sort of active in this space, and I've always sort of thought in the back of my mind that what you're talking about right now is inevitable because they have this idea that the Western world is going to lead this kumbaya of destroying all the nation states and, and governing from this central, hyper-centralized entity, the UN, and, and dictating the terms to everybody through, of course, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030. And now we're seeing the rejection of that by nation states that want to do what's the best interest of the people of their nations. And, and so we're seeing this rupture or this break in that. But I, at the end of the day, it still spells doom for us, for Western civilization. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, what I'm discussing is not in any way taking away from the argument that you're making that it is a doom for us. It is a doom for Canada. It is a doom now for Europe. And the rest of the world is saying, you brought this doom upon yourself. You are the one who, 
You are the ones who want to, with this bogus argument of CO2, net zero emission target, to transform the world from hydrocarbon fuel to renewable energy, which is based on what? Wind power, solar power, Hot to water. fire economy. I'll just give you one example. I mean, there are, I mean, I, you see, Mark, we can get lost in the weed talking about one, one. I'm trying to draw the big picture for big picture for my audience. Just one example. After the Bali conference, the head of Fiat, the Italian company, automobile company, you know, which manufactures not only Fiat, but they manufacture a whole series of other brand name cars, including Porsche, Maserati, and so on and so forth. It is one of the biggest, uh, uh, you know, automobile manufacturer in the world. So the head of Fiat goes to New Delhi, the capital of India, and the discussion is about Fiat can no longer operate in Italy and in Europe in its production, including building electric vehicles because of the cost of gas and hydrocarbon fuel. They cannot manufacture. So they are going to, and this is the discussion taking place right now as you and I are speaking, they are wanting to transport the entire industry to India. So you're talking about offshoring. Well, their offshoring took place. You and I have talked about this. You know, It has happened over the last 30 years. What was Trump trying to do? Trump was trying to do is to bring back the industry. Trump was saying America first. Trump was saying they're going to be energy independent. <clears throat> we go. It has to be. There is no other option, Salim. Correct. But the, will Trump come back? I mean, I'm not speculating. I'm just leaving the question there. The, but if Trump doesn't come back, the deep state is in power. That is the Democrats and the rhinos. They are the agents of the globalist agenda. They are the promoters of the globalist agenda. So, so do you think, Salim, then, do you think that once Western nations and, and uh, you know, Canada, the U.S., throughout Europe, that once they grasp the magnitude of BRICS and what that can then turn us into, do you think there's an opportunity in the relatively near future that Western nations start to awaken and start to say, okay, hold it, hold it here. We got we to gotta change course or we're done, we're finished. That's what I'm trying to, you know, bring on the table in our discussion. The irony is, the irony is that the Western civilization, if it is going to be saved, it will be saved by the global south now. Because look at it, you know, I mean, the whole experiment of the last 30 years from the Earth Summit of 1992, the Kyoto Protocol, Let's stick to that issue because that's at the heart of this debate. That is the CO2 issue, hydrocarbon economy is, the, you know, and, and the West, Western powers came up with this argument that we have to dismantle the hydrocarbon economy. 
Okay. So Europe fully went along with that because it was a European idea. I mean, the Canadians, you know, Maurice Strong and so on and so forth. But through the UN and the European Union, this policy was pushed. And this policy was pushed. And Europe, take G Germany, the major power in Europe, basically shifted from hydrocarbon economy to renewable energy, that is the green energy. But it stayed only cosmetically because it was buying energy from Russia at a very low price so they could afford to shift into non-renewable energy. The main industries, yes. you know, automobile industry, chemical industry, and pharmaceutical industry, the main powerhouse of German industry was functioning on hydrocarbon fuel. It was only cos it was cosmetic, you know, that you know, people are driving Tesla and people are engaging in solar power and and and, and so on and so forth. It was all virtue signaling. It yes. was based upon uh, 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 the hydrocarbon fuel coming from Russia and from the OPEC countries. So what happened? The Ukraine war was a complete sanction against Russia on the argument that it was Russia that will be destroyed. Hmm. Who, who blew up the Nord Stream 2? Right. The, the, exactly. it, by the Americans and the British. Exactly. MIT, CIA, and the deep state. Now the Germans are waking up. They are waking up and now realizing that they have been played the fool by this whole agenda. So now let me step back. Let me take you in another direction. That is my friend. Let's take the G7 now and the political leaders of the G7. That's why I said we have to be very self-critical about ourselves, each one of us. So here is G7. Let me run the name of the G7 leaders. Biden in the United States, Trudeau in Canada, Rishi Sunak, in England, in UK, Macron in France, Olaf Scholz in Germany, Giorgia Meloni in Italy, and Fumio Kishada in Japan. Okay, I got the seven names for you. Now, let's look at who they are in terms of the generation. Right. The oldest man in the G7, the oldest leader in the G7 is Biden, born in 1942, suffering from dementia, right? It's, every day it is getting worse, but he's the leader, quote unquote, of the free world, right. all right? He cannot put a sentence together, so somebody is writing his sentences for him. That's Obama and the whole other crew. So that's the leader of the first world of the G7. Then take Trudeau. Trudeau was born in 1971. He's 50 years old. He is born long after the end of the Second World War. He's born long after the Cuban Missile Crisis. He's born long after the Woodstock orgy of 1969. Mm. Born in 61. He's 50 years old. So hold that thought in your head, okay? The next man, Macron. Macron is born in 1977. He's 45 years old. Italy, 
Giorgio Meloni, born in 1977, 45-year-old. You have Rishi Sunak, born in 1980, 42 years old. You have Olaf Scholz, born in 1958. He is 60 plus or 57 years old. And or 67 years old, sorry. And then finally you have Kishida of Japan, born in 1957. He's 64 years old. Kishida is 64 years old, and um, Olaf Scholz is 64 years old, you know, give or take. Now, the point yeah. I'm com coming to, their counterparts in the global south, Xi Jinping, Putin, Modi, the Indonesian leader, Widodo, the Turkish leader, Erdogan, the South African leader, President Cyril Ramphosa, they're all in their late 60s and early they're adults. 70s. They're adults. Uh, so this generational gap is very, very instrumental. Hmm. There's nobody around, for instance, take our prime minister, Mr. Trudeau, there's nobody around him who has a memory hmm. of the war before 1971 or who will caution the prime minister. So here you have the prime minister and his deputy prime minister in full support of the Nazis in Ukraine. Right. Nobody, nobody told him that his father's generation were fighting the Nazis in German, in, in Europe. And, and that is the condition. You have a whole new generation. And then furthermore, since, since the average age of the generation of G7 leaders are in their 50 and less, what you have is a situation that they were born and they were educated in a culture that was destroying itself. Right. His father was the prime minister in 71. That is Justin Trudeau's father. He's the guy responsible for multiculturalism, the beginning of the falling out of Canada. Yes. You take the case of uh, 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 the, the, the British prime minister, English prime minister, Rishi Sunak. He's of Indian origin like me, but born in, 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 in England. He's a Hindu uh, of Hindu faith born in England, and he is, this is the way I would put it, he is the embryo cultivated or the man cultivated in the Petri dish of the World Economic Forum and Goldman Sachs. Right. Right. And this is the, what the English people are have as a prime minister. And on and on and on. So when they meet, as they meet in 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 the G20 conference in Bali, their counterpart from the global south, not one of them has any gravitas, any wisdom, any knowledge, right. any way that any of the other leaders are going to have any respect for them, and they don't. And you saw that video of the Chinese president scolding um, <laughs> Trudeau. Uh. Right. So what that tells you, this great rupture, which I'm calling the greatest taking place, that is the 80 percent of the world population and the majority of the countries in the world, except for the G7, basically have rejected it. So now your question is, 
Well, they, they, in Bali, they, the final communique said, you know, they're go, going to go along with climate change. Now, why won't they go along with climate change? Because the climate change policy makes an exemption of China, of India, of Nigeria, right. of all the countries. Sure. They're bound by it. Do, do so if you... Right. Yeah. If you want to have climate change, go ahead and have it. If you want to believe that man can be a woman, transgender, etc., go ahead. Nobody's stopping you. Please do. Yes, hundred percent. They they've been sitting back and laughing at us for for decades, Salim. They knew exactly where this was going to funnel into, and here we are. So that's what it is. So I mean, you know, I mean, when the Canadian people do wake up after we have been impoverished and basically turn into serfs, but serfs of which people? Of the oligarchs. And then being serfs of the oligarch, the oligarch says, because they have offshored their production to China, to India, to all of the third world countries to take advantage of the hydrocarbon economy. Forget about wages and all of that because the wages are rising. Mm. It is a hydrocarbon economy. It is. Uh, so then they will say, just, Justin Trudeau will say, well, we're going to have uprising in, in Canada against these policies as, as Biden and, and the Democrats are faced with. You know, people went to demonstrate in 2020, January, January 6, 2020, to rally in support of President Trump. They were common people like you and I, grandmothers and fathers and so on and so forth. Americans, they went to their capital, Washington. And what did the Democrats do? Turned it around into an insurrection and they're holding people prisoners. The same thing happened with the truckers, uh, Freedom Convoy and, and Emily. So the same thing, they use martial law. So in the future, when we have dismantled our army, our armed forces through the woke culture, as it is happening in America, you know, and we have generals and 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 flag officers who are basically singing from the same page book as the World Economic Forum, as our generals are singing. You know, I wrote about this general, Lieutenant General Michel Masonov, who was holding Zelensky as the example of the great leader, published in National Post. You know. And nobody in Canada was saying, you know, what the hell is he talking about, right? Uh, no, because he's a he's a he's a general. So oh, if he wants no. to, he wants to be honest. That is again back to taking the beam out of your eye. Then you should have respect for the generals who came before you, who wore the Canadian uniform before you. Those generals and those people who wore the Canadian uniform, they went to fight the Nazis in Europe. And you, general, you're praising the Nazis. Right. And you don't, you don't, you're not even aware, self-aware of what you're talking. So much BS. And nobody's coming out in Canada and saying, you know, the emperor is without clothes. Right. And so if if Mr. Trudeau or whoever is the prime minister, Pierre Polyev or, or Daniel Smith, goes and says to the Chinese, you know, we need to bring Chinese troops to Canada to police our streets against the insurrectionists, Mark Friesen, Salim Mansour, Bob Bayoni, Tamara Leish, and so on, the Chinese will say, okay, here is the budget, here is the contract, 
we will send you the troops. Right. Because that's exactly what colonialism meant. The British sent in the the, the troops to India, you know, or, or they hired the troops in India and they policed it for 200 years. Mm. You see, that's the great rupture. It is also a great inversion that is taking place. Mm. And if the Canadian people understand that, I mean, recently, it was only last week, that the parliament in, in Russia, in Moscow, the Duma, the parliament passed the law in Russia that says, it was, a, it was a family law, it says that in Russia, the only meaning of marriage will be the meaning of a relationship between a man and a woman and the, ch and the children, that's a family. Mm. And, 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 and Russia refused to recognize any of these issues of transgender, LGBTQ, there's no standing. So then what does our prime minister do? He stands up in the parliament and he denounces Russia for human rights violation. Of course. And he says, he says that we have to expose Russia for the human rights violations that is taking place in Russia because they don't recognize transgender rights. So then what does the Russian ambassador do? He calls a press conference in Ottawa a press briefing, and in that press briefing, he tells the press that, look, what the prime minister has talked about our parliament and the law that has been passed is interfering in the internal affairs of Russia. We do not interfere in the internal affairs of Canada. You can have whatever definition of marriage and, and, and transgenderism and so on in Canada, that is your, you are a country that's your law. We respect that. But you are not going to criticize Russia and we are not going to allow your values to come into Russia. There well, it is. That, that sounds very clear on the part of Putin and Russia. That they haven't bought into this depopulation agenda that saying no and rejecting it out of hand because they know what's in their best interest while the rest of the West does this virtue signaling routine and ultimately destroy Western civilization. Exactly. So, so this, the situation we are now in, in 20, at the end of 2022, looking forward in 2023, is that there are speed bumps coming up and the speed bumps are coming up from the global south. Also, from the freedom-loving people in the G7 countries, the Dutch farmers have said that they're going to take on the government, right? Yeah, it has to happen. They have to do that. Their survival it, depends it, on it. Exactly. The, 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 the German population after the World Cup is over, that, that team, by the way, got defeated. It was a very, very ironic. They go to Qatar which is an Arab country, and there they're putting on the band, which is the rainbow pride parade, and, 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 and on the introduction, they put covering the face. They are ashamed to be in a country which does not have a pride parade and a woke agenda. Right. Well, ended up being booted out of the team, uh, out of the game by losing. The, the first game they lost was to Saudi Arabia. Can you imagine? <laughs> Yeah. 
Hey, the, you know, three-time world champion losing to Saudi Arabia that has barely learned how to play soccer. Mm. You know, so what I'm what I'm said discussing is mice and men might have ideas, but those ideas can be derailed because as as the saying again, I'm repeating myself as the saying goes, man can propose whatever they want to propose, but God can dispose it. And yes. I think what is happening is the global south rejection of the ideology of the woke agenda of the new green deal yes it's going is boomeranging upon the west and just to conclude my thoughts on this matter the 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 basic refusal on the part of saudi king a prince to meet with biden was a clear signal that there is arrangement in the work to replace the dollar as a reserve currency. And the World Economic Forum was busy trying to create Bitcoin and digital currency. And that whole hoax has been exposed to the global south, but people in Canada and America are sleeping through it. I'm talking about beat the, the FTX scandal with Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah. It was a laundering operation on a fake idea of digital currency, which was being laundered through Ukraine into the mm. Democratic Party. Mm. Billions of dollars. I mean, this guy lost over $10 billion. He should be indicted and should be held to right. answer. But he's walking around because if you look at his family, if you look at his connection, they're all, you know, top ranks of the Democratic Party. Mm. It's like Hillary Clinton. But the world can now see through that. Right. And so the petrodollar age and era is possibly going to come to an end in the very near future. Right. So are the Canadian people going to wake up to this? I hope so, because this is going to have a profound effect upon the G7 economy. 100%. Absolutely will. Yep. Well, so we've had, I've been at it for two hours here, Salim. I think we should probably wrap up for tonight, and uh, we'll decide what we're going to talk about next Friday. I think we'll just probably go with our regular Friday nights like we used to. Uh, yeah. From moving forward, so this Friday night, uh, stay tuned. We'll we'll be aboard uh, and on on air, uh, and we'll have a discussion to see what we talk about. Uh, very nice to see you, Salim. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't spend more time with you when we were in Ontario, but it was still good to see you in person and to give you a big bear hug. I really appreciated that. Oh, absolutely, and 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 uh, I would say. Take a little more care of your health and you and get your voice back, you know. Mm. This or stint has an impact on your you know vocal cords. So yeah. so give it a rest periodically so that you know you can function at your optimum level because we all need you. hundred percent. hundred percent, my friend. All okay. right. Good, Good to night. see you. We'll see you next see you on uh, this coming Friday. Thank you very much. Good night. Bye-bye.
All right, another round with uh, our national treasure, Salim Mansour. Um, they don't make him any better than him. Um, I missed having Salim. It was uh, tonight was very good. We'll be back Friday night. Um, yeah, you're absolutely more than welcome. It's nice to be back. It's nice to uh, to be back and have a riveting conversation that we did have. Um, and, of course, we'll get into a little bit more of this as we move along. There's so much going on. Um, again, I, I missed a lot of what I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, but, of course, I ramble on. Uh, you know, that's what I do. Uh, so I might... I might just go live again tomorrow night, maybe Tuesday night. Uh, we'll see how it goes and and uh, scroll through my Facebook a little bit more just to make sure I, I talk about all the things I want to talk about. I got to get into provincial politics because uh, there's things happening there. Uh, I got to get into uh, lots of different things. So uh, stay tuned. I, I might go live tomorrow night. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. It's never-ending. But uh, anyways, thanks for joining tonight, you guys. I love each and every one of you. Um, you're it. You're, uh, you're, uh, you're who I depend on. Uh, if we're ever going to win this, you guys are, are, are the uh, soldiers. You got to get out there and spread the word. Um, anyways, yeah, you bet, you bet, Rob, good to see everybody and, um, have a good night. We'll see you, I don't know, probably tomorrow or maybe Tuesday. We had a good showing tonight. We had uh, almost 400 people in the, in the chat, uh, for a while there. So that worked out well. Anyways, you guys all be good, be good to each other. And, uh, remember. Uh, there, globalism, bad, nationalism, good. All right, ciao for now. Oh God, come back.